This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I just want to begin by, you know, it seems like it was a couple of months ago that we were kind of sitting in one of our shepherds meetings and and Brian brought up, why don't we uh, study Colossians on Wednesday nights? And I really thank him for that suggestion. It has been such a joy to open up this book and to take it verse by verse. And, and uh, I have gained so much. And I'm very thankful this evening to be able to have these couple of verses to, to share with you some of my studies. And I just want you to know that I am no expert I'm no scholar, and you all know that anyway, but uh, <laughs> I just want you to know if I say anything that man is off, man, please, please correct me. Um, I'm a student of this word, and uh, as I know we all are, and anyway, I, it's just going to be a joy to be able to share with you. I've got five verses tonight, so we don't have a lot to cover, uh, but man, they are packed full of goodness. Um, you know, I guess it's been about two weeks ago, uh, Brother Heath led us through the preeminence of Jesus Christ, and he did a fantastic job, and man, uh, just opened up a lot of uh, thoughts for me, and I've just been thinking about and meditating on, you know, the preceding verses. Well, I I mentioned that because our our first verse that we're going to be looking at this evening kind of wraps up that thoughts, but yet introduces kind of the four verses that's going to be kind of the, the, the main text that we're going to be looking at. Now tonight we're going to be talking about what what it is to be reconciled in Christ Jesus. And so we'll just kind of jump in and look at verse 19 and we'll kind of of wrap up um, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. So if you will, if you want to follow the, the PowerPoint or get your Bibles out, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. In Colossians 1 and 19 it says, For it pleased the Father... That in him all fullness should dwell. What does it mean, all fullness? First, basically says, in Christ dwells all fullness. What does that mean? Has there been the last 6,000 years anyone that has been able to create dirt? We've come up with some amazing inventions. A lot of innovations, but there has not been one soul that could create dirt. When it comes to the fullness, what that means, it means that Jesus Christ, he has an intellect, he has a a superior wisdom and knowledge that surpasses anything that we could even imagine. So much that that when he speaks, he he can speak this world in existence. He was able to basically create this world by just opening up his mouth. That's what it means to have the fullness thereof. Like in him dwells all fullness, all knowledge, all wisdom. He was able to gather some dirt and mold us and make us to what we are today. If you begin to study anatomy, it just blows your mind. And you discover how, how the world is just perfect in its, in its creation. 
If, we, if it was just off just a little bit, moved, if we moved the earth a little bit this way, we would burn up. This way, we would freeze to death. It's just, it's perfect. And only Jesus Christ, who was there in the beginning, has that kind of knowledge and that kind of wisdom. What does it mean that in Christ dwells all fullness? That means that, that He is everything that you and I need spiritually. You know, there was a time in a lot of our lives that we were condemned to death. We stood before God condemned. We were going to be damned in hell for all eternity unless something was done. And because Jesus justified us, He made us righteous. That's what it means to have all fullness. He was that. He was our justification. He created that for us. At one point in our lives, we were slaves. We were shackled. And He became our Redeemer. We sang about that tonight. The great Redeemer. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ dying on that cross, we would still be enslaved in chains, shackled to the world and to our lust and to the sins of the world. When it comes to Jesus Christ, you see, He became... The, the reliever of our debt. If you can imagine a trillion dollars, I mean, that's just, uh, I, I can't even imagine that much money. But you see, we, because of our sin, we are in trillions and trillions of debt. But Jesus came and he paid all that. He took that away. It would take a, probably a hundred generations to pay that back. We're not smart enough to do that. There's no amount of righteous deeds that we could do, but He came in and He gave us forgiveness. There was a point in our life when we were strangers. Strangers to God. But then He adopted us. He adopted us. Now we can be called His son or be called His daughter. And then there was a time in our life when we were an enemy to God. And then he brought reconciliation. And we became his friend. What does it mean to have all fullness? He is everything that we need. Everything. He is the I am. This evening, we're going to talk about the rest of the four verses or what it means to be reconciled into Christ. And Paul, he makes, he makes four different points here. He talks about our need for reconciliation. He talks about what it cost, Jesus. He talked about the results, how it affects you and I. And then he talks about conditions of reconciliation. And why is he talking about this? Why is he mentioning the fullness of? Well, the brothers that have spoke before us talked about how there were false teachers that came in to Colossae and they began to teach that Jesus Christ wasn't all that. They basically diminished who He was as a person, as our Savior. And so Paul is trying to correct this and talking about the preeminence of Christ. And then he's going to talk about the reconciliation of Christ. So we'll just go ahead and jump in. And we're not going to be taking this uh, verse by verse. We're going to be kind of jumping back and forth but in these next four verses. But we're going to be talking about first the need for reconciliation. Colossians 1 and 21, it says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind 
by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So first what we want to look at is, what's reconciliation? What does that even mean? Basically, to put it simply, it is to a relationship that was once broken, it is to restore that. It's basically a a relationship that is broken is to mend that and to create harmony once again. You know, a lot of times we use reconciliation when it comes to marriage. If a marriage is broken and it's going through problems, oftentimes the scriptures encourage us to have a short period of separation. A, A period where we can fast, we can pray, we can seek wise, godly counsel. And, and then we can bring those two together and they can become one again and their relationship can be restored. It can be reconciled. I'm sure that we've probably had relationships uh, maybe amongst friends or amongst family members that, that were jeopardized for maybe a trespass that, that we made or they made. And that, that caused that relationship to be estranged and separated. And probably through prayer and through love and through mercy and forgiveness and through compromise and much discussion, maybe we're able to reconcile that relationship once again. You know, I was thinking as, as, as I was studying this, you know, and I, I just wonder if you've experienced this as well, but have you ever had those relationships where you were super close with someone? All of a sudden, like, you stopped talking. You know, they stopped answering your phone calls or maybe they you just quit texting altogether. And all the, the, the places that you used to be together, that person no longer goes to those places of fellowship. Has that ever happened to you? And you're thinking to yourself, did I say something or did I do something wrong? No, what probably happened is there were choices that were made. There were paths that were taken that were separate from one another. There was probably one that was following after righteousness and the other one after unrighteousness. And you see, what happens is sin destroys relationships. I I want us to go back to the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve were created. How long did it take for them to sin? We don't really know. It seemed like it was a pretty short amount of time. But they did sin. They partook of that forbidden fruit. Do you remember what happened after that? In Genesis 3 and 8, it it paints such a vivid picture for us. It says that God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, probably in the morning hours. And it says that Adam and Eve, because they'd sinned, they could hear his footsteps. And so they're like, oh, no. And so, you know, you think about children that run away from mom and dad when they've done something bad. This is what happened. The sin caused them to want to separate from God hide themselves because of shame. And that's what happened to each and every one of us. God did not separate from us. We separated from Him because of our sin. Think about the prodigal son and the father. What did he do? He distanced himself as far away from his father as he could. Why? Because he wanted to live in darkness and in sin. He didn't want to be in his father's uh, company why he did such a thing. Sin causes separation. Uh, there's a verse that I think just says it all too well for us in Isaiah 53 and 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Who is that verse talking about? 
That is talking about you and me. All we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all gone down our own paths. So who is in need of reconciliation? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, like sheep, have gone astray and gone their own way. We are all in need of reconciliation. We're all in need of that. Do you remember the five foolish virgins? Remember when they knocked on the door? They're pounding on that door, wanting the master to open that door up. And what did he say to them? Friend, come on in. No. He said, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. You're a stranger to me. You're a stranger. He did not know who they are, so they did not get to enter in. And that's where we're all out at without Christ. We are not his friend. We are his enemy. Because as the verse said, because of our wicked deeds, that has caused us to become a stranger to Jesus. So let's talk about the cost of reconciliation. In Colossians 1 and 22, it says, In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You know, I think about God, and he could have created our way to salvation in a very easy way. He could have kept on saying, hey, you just keep on killing sheep. But he didn't. He didn't. I was watching the other day uh, a lethal injection. I don't know why. Uh, I did. <laughs> and they just kind of fall asleep. I don't know how painful it is, but that is nothing. That was a walk in the park compared to what Jesus Christ went through. Why is the cost of what Jesus did important for you and I? It's because if we are unthankful, then where does that leave us? Do we understand salvation at all if we're not getting on our knees every single morning of the day and just thanking God for the unspeakable gift we must understand that the cost was great. It was called unspeakable for a reason. The unspeakable gift. You know, Jesus came to this earth with open arms. And what did we do? What did we do? Do we accept him? We, despi we, were des we despised him, didn't we? Scriptures say that we rejected him. He was not beautiful like we wanted. We wanted a beautiful Messiah, but he was not that. He had no beauty that, would, that we would be attracted to him. He did, we wanted an earthly king that with power and with wealth, and he was none of that. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any lands or homes. He slept on the ground every night. And even though that... that his prophecy was given hundreds and hundreds of times of what it would look like. We still rejected him, didn't we? And he was bruised. You know, the Romans, they just invented the most painful ways to die. They were sickos. 
And there were men that were trained in trying to, to create the most painful way to torture someone. And our Jesus, our Savior, had to go through that. He was whipped 39 times, had his back ripped open. For who? It was for our iniquities. It was for our iniquities, our sins, our selfishness, our blindness, our selfish desires. And they suspended him on a cross. The only thing that kept him up there was a couple of nails. That was the only thing to find gravity. They hung him on a cross. His last minutes would be suffocating, drowning in his own blood that he wanted to spill because he wanted to be your friend. He was trying to create a, a, a bridge, if you will, that we could walk across for you and I. The cost was unimaginable. We must. I'm so thankful for this group of people that believe so much in remembering Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we can come together on the first day of the week and that we can remember Him. That is so important. I'm thankful for the men that encourage us to, to remember Him on Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and all throughout the week. Like this is important. If we want to be a friend of Jesus, we have to understand first our need for Him to be His friend. Secondly, we must remember that cost every day and be thankful for it. The third point we want to look at is the result of reconciliation. In Colossians 1 and 20, it says, And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His, of his cross. In Colossians 1 and 22, it says, In the body of His flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. In his sight. It talks about the peace in verse 20 that we are able to obtain because of the blood of the cross. You know, there's a peace that all of us enjoy here that unite us, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and because of Christ's teachings of love and, and uh, long-suffering and forbearance, we have this peace between us. Even Jews and Gentiles can come together in one place and worship the same God and the same Jesus Christ. That is the peace that He has brought to mankind. And not only that, even more important, we can come together and know that we have been forgiven. We can lay our head down at night and not have shame and guilt because of our sins because we have been washed clean. What is the result of this reconciliation? We're able to be his friend. How is that? By believing in him. By believing in this, this death, this burial and resurrection, and by obeying that. By being washed in the blood. When we come out of those waters of baptism, we come up in newness of life. That way we can be blameless. That we can be holy and above reproach in his sight. Only through Jesus Christ. You see, when we knock on the door, Jesus opens that door up because we are his friend. Because we are holy as he is holy. 
You know, I think about the prodigal son again. You know, when he was in that distant land in the mud and mire of a hog pen, it says that he came to himself. What does that mean? He decided that, this, that the world was not worth it. That all the pleasure, all the wealth, everything that the world could offer him was not worth it. But you see, his father didn't go to him and rip him out of that hog pen, did he? No, it was a choice that he made for himself. And you see, Jesus is not going to force any of us in this room to come to him and to take advantage of this beautiful reconciliation that he has brought to us. It has to be a decision that we all make. But you see, when he made that decision, what did his father do? He put a perfectly white robe on him because he had been forgiven. All was new. He put a ring on him, signifying that he was his son. We can become his daughters and son because he has adopted us. He killed a fatted calf, just symbolizing the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And not only here, but in eternity. Because when he came, all that was his father's was his. And that's the same with us. But it's our choice. And lastly, it talks about the conditions of reconciliation. Colossians 1 and 23, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature unto heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is a very sobering verse for me, I'm sure to all of us. Something that we must understand about salvation is when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's like sitting on the, on the start line of a race. You know, the gun fires, that's just the first couple of steps of our race. That doesn't just guarantee us a home in heaven. That is the beginning of our race. The key word that I would need us to understand is this if. If you continue in the faith, if you are grounded, if you are steadfast, if you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, we can be reconciled and remain reconciled. In Christ Jesus. You know, I think about friendships. What does that proverb say? Those that have friends, what must do what? Show themselves friendly. You know, we have a part in our friendship with Jesus Christ. We have our part. You know, I think about our relationships here. We know each other very intimately. Like, if I asked Dane to order me a, a meal at La Fiesta, he'd know exactly what I wanted without me telling him. I mean, we know each other that way, don't we? Like, we know, our, we know our likes and our dislikes. We know our favorite foods. And we hang out together nonstop. We know what each other does for a living. We know each other's weaknesses and, and each other's strengths. We know that because we show ourselves friendly. Because we make ourselves a part of each other's life. We walk beside each other in life. 
What does John chapter 1, 1 through 3 talk about? Who is the Word? It is Christ Jesus. You see, we have a responsibility to get to know Jesus. And how do we do that? He is the Word. We get in this book daily. The way to be close to a friend is to, is to, is to know Him every day. And we can do that through the Word. We can do that through meditating on Jesus. We can do that through talking to Him in prayer. That's how we keep this relationship going. It's all about relationships. This world is all about relationships. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we can't neglect Him. Once we come out of those waters of baptism, that's when it begins. And if our heads are not in that book, then He don't know us, and we don't know Him. So how can we say we're reconciled? It says, if. If. And you see, the more that we read that Word, the more our faith is strengthened. And the more that we're grounded, when storms of life come, as we say, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, right? Because of our hope in Jesus Christ. And we can sing that, it is well with my soul. Because we know who our Savior is. We know Him intimately. We know that no matter what comes our way, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. So this, as we stand and sing this song that's been selected, it's a perfect song. Is it for me? Yes. <laughs> yes. For all of us. Because we talked tonight about there is a need for reconciliation because all of us have sinned. And if you don't know your Jesus Christ as a friend, get out of that mud and mire of that hog pen. Separate yourself from the world. Turn your back on that old man. Crucify him and come to Jesus. Be washed and enter into the kingdom of God. And get to know all the blessings that come from being Jesus Christ's friend. Be no longer an enemy. There may be some of us this evening that this if has really struck a chord maybe. Maybe our heads haven't been in Christ Jesus, in His Word. Maybe we're not talking to Him like we should. Those things happen. We have each other for that very cause. We can talk to each other in private and say, man, I need, I need help reading my Bible. I need help with my prayer life. That's why we have each other, to get each other to heaven. We can pray for you. Whatever the case, let's stand as we, as we sing the song of invitation. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.